today here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Bill Case. Bill is with American Mortgage. Thanks for joining us, Bill. Thanks for having me. Before we get started in the show, let me tell everyone about a couple of the uh, featured shows we have coming up. Next week we have uh, Scott Teepe from Proactive Safety Systems on Friday. He's going to be talking about safety. Uh, following week we're going to have a great show with Steve Phillips. from a comp- He's the CEO and founder of a company called Purple Trout. They're a web search and optimization SEO, search engine optimization company. And then on Friday the 15th we're going to have Scott Simpson who runs one of the area's best staffing agencies, Precision Staffing Services. Then we're going to have a couple of home builders on, Mike Kegley and John Hubert. They're going to be talk junior. They're going to be talking about home building and new homes. Then we're going to have an interesting guy, uh, Dave Doherty, who uh, used to be the CEO of Convergis. And he's created a, a new company called Education at Work to onshore, that's right, bring back to America call center jobs. He's staffing his call center with college students in a partnership with the colleges and presenting the, the services to major corporations, rates that are in line with offshore call centers. It's a nonprofit. And uh, on our 100th show, we're going to have Thane Maynard from the Cincinnati Zoo. I have to make sure he doesn't bring any alligators. There's still a little bit of time if you wanted to, if you're a Sandler client, you want to register for the Client Summit in Orlando, February 14th and 15th. The keynote speaker there is going to be Brian Frank from LinkedIn. He's the head of global sales, and he's going to share with us how LinkedIn utilizes their own platform to expand their brand and increase market share. Should be a great conference. The title of that one is uh, No Guts, No Gain. Bill, do you believe business is getting tougher or easier? The general business climate or in my business? In all businesses. I think the economy is improving. I don't know if business is getting easier. I think business itself is not as easy. I think it's harder. I mean, I have a lot of people not in our business that I talk to that are, they have more struggles financing uh, locations and, and... Business is getting tougher. Yeah. Okay, and if you plan for that, and accidentally, in your particular business, it gets easier. I think you're in great shape. But if you plan for it to get easier, I think you're in serious trouble because Agreed. too many things happen. 
Agreed. Things happen. So that's that's why we named our conference uh, No Guts, No Gains, the second Sandler conference. There'll be about 600 clients there, two tracks, one for sales and one for management. Okay, Bill, why don't you tell us how you got in the mortgage business in the first place? I started out out of college, joined with a finance company that did uh, personal loans and real estate loans, and it was one of those where when I got out in 1984, the job market wasn't hopping. But I get in and I, I look back on that now that that was a, one of the best learning experiences for me because I actually got thrown into mortgage and loan collections. So you saw the, the underbelly of the business uh, before getting into originating and starting loans. And, but it was a good experience in that company. I was there about a year and a half and then moved into a local lender uh, near where I grew up in uh, Albany, New York savings and loan that did mortgages only, got into that department in 1980, it was around 1986, and joined another large lender, was there for about 14 years, and uh, now the last 13, 12 now, I've been with uh, American Mortgage Service Company based here in Cincinnati. How did you happen to move to Cincinnati? One of the owners of the company, Ed Walterman, who's uh, been in the Cincinnati area forever, um, had called me up and wanted to get some operations started in Cincinnati, but the more we talked, he was ready uh, at his point in his career to start moving authority and and wanted to kind of step back a little bit from really running the operation day-to-day. That was of interest to me. I was very happy where I was, but I thought uh, this presented a really good opportunity with a company to to grow, and uh, we hit it off early on, and so then I I was in Columbus, Ohio at the time, and mm-hmm. then decided to join and then moved down to Cincinnati uh, in August of 2001. Good. Yeah, I lived there for seven years. That was uh, I enjoyed that area. Yeah, it, it's a dynamic area. Mm-hmm. Our business, Columbus, Ohio, has always been probably the, besides Chicago the second best mortgage market in the Midwest. It still probably is. It still is new construction. Uh, lots of transient people. So in businesses like ours, that's a help. People coming and going, they're always buying and yeah, selling. Between government and OSU. And they're stable for those reasons also. They are not. They have not been as effective as some areas, you know, Dayton, Cleveland, that uh, Detroit, that get hammered. Uh, uh, Columbus has been able to, they certainly took a downturn, but nowhere near those other markets. I'm not even sure if Toledo is still here. You know? I, I think I went there once. Um, for a conference, very briefly. That's my only experience. Yeah, I mean, from a business perspective. Yeah. And uh, they say Dayton's coming back, but I don't. I, I think it's going to take a while. I think if they, I think it's going to be more. If this area continues continues to expand, I think it's more than Dayton really recovering itself. But I think that's a good possibility. I think we've we've seen some, uh, and to continue to see some dynamic growth in our area. I really think the question is what is it going to look like beginning 18 months from now because that's really where the fog rolls in and 2015 what that's going to look like 2016 right uh, when i talk to other ceos and company presidents while not everybody says they're attempting to hire new people most do whether it's one or like mike uh, joe callahan who was here yesterday he said he's over the next three years he's attempting to hire 35 new people in the financial services industry, mm-hmm. which is a remarkably high number. Well, and considering that industry has been battered, and and uh, New York City in particular is seeing lots of cuts in that industry. So uh, I guess the good news is if uh, if some of those jobs are moving to other markets, that's a good thing for the other markets. Well, he's he's looking for both experienced people and 
of beginners, mm. which is, I thought, unusual. But he said, uh, I think he said it on the show, because there were too many gray heads. Yeah. All the people who know the business retire, then we have trouble. We have to build a new generation. That's what's happened. Uh, our industry's been hit a little bit by that. Uh, it was interesting. We we stuck our toe in the water on uh, insurance uh, in that business and property and casualty a little bit. And, and uh, I was talking to some Allstate people here and there regionally, and they expressed that same thing. And they said, they're, I think their average I mean, I'd say they and the, the industry not picking Allstate out, but uh, the average age was in the 50s for their agents. And that was a concern. They said they and a lot of carriers that uh, there weren't people coming up. Our industry is grayer, older. It's good for experience because people are dealing with people that have been doing it a while. But uh, that's something we've, you know, we've talked about, and you know, you're trying to implement some things to to attract people. But I think in our industry, it was we lost a whole group of people that started probably around 2000, 2001, knew the easier lending times lots of refinance business, and then uh, when things crashed and burned a little bit and subprime loans went away and a lot of the easier money, they just left the industry completely, and the people that stayed were the ones that had been in it a while. So it's almost like we lost a probably a seven, eight-year group of people, totally gone. So in your industry, you have to have uh, a license. Correct. State. How many licensed mortgage uh, people do you have? We're I think we're just over 100 uh, between the eight, primary states that we deal in. Mm-hmm. And you already deal in eight states? Right now, I've got an approval in another state. We may be moving there shortly. Our, our growth has been, I don't really pick a map out and say, this is where I want to be. Uh, it's generally, as we've looked to add people, find good people, and then build around them. I don't see us as moving way out of our geographic area, but we've certainly moved into contiguous states, and we'll continue to look for those opportunities. Certainly, that has a positive uh, strategy behind it. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the way you see your position in the marketplace? And where we see our place? Mm-hmm. We're a, it's a privately held company that started in 1975. Uh, there are two other partners, a uh, majority partner, then myself, and, and another one that are minority partners. And uh, we've been really doing the same things really for a lot of years. You certainly have to adapt, but uh, our ability to grow has really been on keeping things as simple as possible for customers and our employees. And I think we we went through harder times like the business did in 05, 06, 07, and, but came out of that stronger. And the last four years, we have had record years we since 2009 we have done better each year um starting in 2009 and now even going through 2012 again uh and a lot of that sometimes i like to say well it's because we're really smart no some of it is because the competition has been driven from the business so much and and opportunities have been created for us because companies that have uh, large institutions that have left medium-sized companies that have exited the market for a number of reasons, smaller companies that didn't have the wherewithal capital or anything else to to ride out the difficult times. We've been able to be a home for a lot of very good loan officers who look at our model and say, yeah, that's a good place to be, and and they've stayed with us. Mm -hmm. 
just out of curiosity, how do you pay your loan officers? Salary plus commission or 100% commission? Almost all are 100% commission. There are some, depending, there's managers that uh, um, some, depending on size groups, have salary. But generally, it's 100% commission business. Yeah. Um, most of the mortgage companies that we've worked with in the past mm-hmm. have been 100% commission. Yeah, we focus. Uh, we, we've been also fortunate the last two or three years. Our mainstay has been the purchase business. Mm-hmm. We've been 80% the last three years, which the industry is almost completely the opposite. We've been pretty uh, fortunate with that, the people that we have that go after, because that's going to serve us well in years to come. Good. Bill, we're going to take a uh, short commercial break, and Bill has agreed to answer questions. So if you want to call in, number is 646-595-4916. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are we hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is, their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth with uh, Bill Case. Uh, We're talking about mortgage business. And uh, Bill, why don't you tell uh, folks how you guys go to market? Most of our business is probably done by um, personal referral. Uh, A lot of our top people, it's their relationships with real estate agents, builders. Then you'll get people that have affinity relationships, uh, tax accountants, uh, financial planners. Uh, And then those that have been around for a while, which is the vast majority of their previous customers, uh, uh, continuing to market to those people. we have uh, we get some traffic through our website. We actually the last couple of years we've devoted a lot more resources, uh, but that's coming, and I would say in the next year or two more from that. Um, generally speaking, though, it's it's the loan officer's own book of business and their development uh, that really is the key. We don't do a lot of uh, 
We've put our toe in the water a little bit recently with uh, getting some advertising out there, some general advertising. But ours is it, it, this is a pretty unique business. It's not like a grocery store that people are going to visit every week. Uh, um, you know, they're lucky. We're lucky if somebody finds us once every 20 years, uh, a, a customer. So we're not going to be a known name. Um, it's mainly their own, what they bring to the table, the loan officers. Right. Mass, uh, mass media doesn't seem to make a lot of inherent sense. No, and and I the only times I've ever seen that more in the past in our business and the old yellow pages back uh, 10, 15 years, but usually those were um, geared towards people with adverse credit situations who couldn't probably find uh, the best uh, rates or institutions to go with and then just would start there. But otherwise, most are just, uh, unless it's larger financial institutions, because it's part of their overall branding. Mm-hmm. Do you have a unique market advantage? I don't think we have anything particular that can't be replicated out there. I think a lot of the stuff is just doing you you're doing the right things every day. Uh, and you're trying to do the right things every day with every business source and every customer. Doesn't mean you're going to succeed at that, but that's what you're trying to do. And, and we dedicate a lot. Uh, we don't have anything. I mean, but, you know, quite honestly, what's our business? We sell money. That's all mm-hmm. we sell. It's not an exciting thing. We're uh, in the mortgage purchase uh, market. Uh, uh, somebody's buying a house. Financing the house is hardly the thing they're looking forward to. It's almost where I just need to get that done. So. What all we have to sell is service, and that's what we need to be attentive to every day. Mm-hmm. How many mortgage loan offices do you have in the Cincinnati market? Cincinnati area, I think we're around uh, 30, some, 30 to 35 between northern Kentucky. And I, I guess I'd bring Dayton in a little bit because they mm-hmm. touch down in this market. That's a lot of a lot of mortgage loan officers. It's a good amount, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll have to talk to you about it, making it better. Uh, what are the obstacles you see in the marketplace? It probably today's environment, it's harder to, it's a lot harder to move loans through the system than it's ever been. Uh, and in my, like I said, 28 years in this, it's been some of that needed to be, uh, but the regulatory and compliance environment, uh, the, the the pristine nature that loans need to be in now. Um, you know, you're taking a lot more time on every transaction than you're ever used to. So that's probably one of the bigger challenges we all face is uh, um, having the time and the resources to be able to put every single loan and every piece of paper in every single loan. That's the challenge. Mm -hmm. How long does that take from the time someone meets with a loan officer to the time they can get to a closing? It's very originator dependent. Our system is a little different where we have the loan officer prepare. Most companies, they have a a loan officer will take a loan. It will then go into a setup area or a processor will get it, and then it goes into underwriting. Our loans go directly from loan officers to underwriting. So all we ask for from the loan officer is we need, uh, you know, two to four days generally to underwrite a loan, a couple days to close it. So they have control of the process. If, if they need to get documentation together, they take it today. Uh, maybe they're going to be finishing it a week from now to put it in. It's really the time frame that they're under, and that's really dependent on the purchase contract. How much time do they have to close it? They need to plan for those. So it sounds like you can really, uh, depending on the circumstances, close a mortgage pretty fast. 
You can. There certainly are. I mean, there the minimum now, and this is more of a federal regulation, is seven days. Uh, are there loans that close in less than a couple of weeks? Yes. That's fairly rare in the industry because there's things – the refinance market, which has been huge the last few years, um, we're dependent still on the same appraisers that do business all over the place. So sometimes an appraisal may take a little longer than usual. Uh, a lot of the other documentation is pretty much coming from the borrower, so we can move through. But sometimes you're dependent on people that are also very busy, and that can add some time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you see any particular opportunities and possibilities in the marketplace? We're probably, I guess, our opportunities as a company are, are we are having discussions and talking to a lot of good quality people uh, to bring in. Um, we're The markets are clearly not better than they were a number of years ago. Business overall, the number of transactions almost anywhere is down from where it was. However, there are far less of us in the business. So while the pie is smaller, the number of people trying to get a piece are a lot smaller also. So we look that there are a lot of opportunities. We're very optimistic about uh, uh, at least the next one to three years because uh, we think uh, there's still some pent-up demand. Everybody's predicting purchases to be up. So our challenge is uh, just to continue to look and find the right people that fit our model and, and we're not looking for just people that will add business. We want people that will come in and fit and be long-term. We, we, every person we hire, we like to think they're going to stay with us and, and retire with us. So uh, we're not transaction-dominated. I always like to say this is a, we, it's career decisions and not transaction decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many more people do you think they'll hire now? There's something like we don't, and I'd say my style and our company is a little different. I'm not really putting numbers on it that this is what I would take. I mean, if if we didn't hire anyone else this year, we have enough quality people to generate a significant level of business. Um, we're looking in in markets where we just uh, we've retooled in Tennessee. We've just started to put our foot into uh, Alabama and Mississippi. Uh, so those are areas where we've started small. We'll look to build a little bit. We have ongoing dialogue pretty much in every market that we're in now. We've got about 20 or 22 offices, so we have certainly probably space in most of those offices. And we have ongoing uh, campaigns where we have a recruiter that works for us that will continue to talk to people and, and try to fill in those areas. Yeah, turnover among your officers. We've been pretty fortunate overall that we don't have a lot, and and. Uh, I tend, I mean, I've had this discussion with people over the years. I've been on different industry uh, uh, panels or whatever else, and they ask. And, I, and I, a lot of it, I think, is just you treat people with respect and fairly. Uh, you know, they don't, the good ones don't leave because, you know, when you're talking about, as we said earlier, 100% commission, okay, well, they're going to get paid with their worth. And, mm-hmm. and, there are a lot of different types of compensation plans, but but companies like ours, we're all around the same area. Nobody's got any, well, I can afford to pay a lot more than somebody else. So it comes down to an end is the relationships they build. Uh, and if they build good relationships with the people they work with, the people they work for, you don't get a lot of turnover That's without true. catastrophic events that are beyond their control. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't control everything. Right. You guys have a long-term teacher plan. Somewhat, although I, I, I may end up using this, invoking this a few times during the discussion. I probably, uh, some of the things that I've learned over the years, uh, and it's not about right and wrong, it's opinions and how you approach things, but uh, a, a very large company that I was with, every 
August, they would start going through the uh, budget process for the following year. And and I always felt, okay, they'd spend not four months doing it, but it was a good part of time, and you'd submit all these things or whatever. And that plan could be not even worth the paper it was on, so to speak, by the time January and February rolled around. I mean, um, people make these lofty predictions about our business. Well, it's going to be off 20 or 30% next year. It's going to be up... Probably more times than I know, the predictions haven't hit. They've been surprised one way or the other. So I find it extremely difficult to go plan more than uh, planning for us isn't necessarily financial. It's planning, okay, what's the level of business we would like to see and maintain? Do we have enough people to do that? Are there markets that we find attractive that we'd like to get into? But usually not with a, well, I'm only going to go in that market if I get uh, $30 million. Uh, we have uh, we have some people that sit in an office by themselves because they were good people and, and we've grown that way. So I think it's pretty hard to really put uh, a, a plan that, that isn't going to change 100 times. And I can make numbers up, too, and I used to do that sometimes. Oh, yeah, I'll be at uh, 40% more next year. Well, uh, economic conditions can change. We have a very uh, interest rate-sensitive uh uh, we're in a business, obviously, with interest rate sensitivities that can change and, and make your and blow your plan up one way or the other. Way more business than you expected, way less business than you expected. Yeah, uh, we've recently advocated for strategic planning, and our plans are two years long. Yeah, can't go much much more than that. Well, that's like IT. I remember the old days with IT. They'd say, oh, get the system. You'll have this for the next 10 or 15 years. And we say, no, maybe two to three years because something else will be coming. Hard to make those plans. And I, I think when we talk about more, probably we spend more time strategic planning and, and over the last couple of years is more about doing better with what we have already. Uh, how am I getting the most out of what I have? Because I can't plan on the outside forces and what I feel I can control. I, the staff that I have already, I have the best opportunity to control. Mm-hmm. Uh, or our, influence. And our belief at Sandler is always long-term positive reinforcement is the way that you get your staff to higher levels of performance, whether it's customer service or sales. Right. Okay. Phil has agreed to answer questions. So if you have a mortgage-type question, you can call in on 646-595-4916, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. We'll be able to screen the calls during the commercial break. This is Mike Roth with Tom Manning. We're talking about your marketing and sales boot camp that you're going to be running in April and May. And the name of the program is? It's called Engage 2013. Engage 2013. And you're going to be running it in Columbus and in Cincinnati. Correct. It's going to be Tuesday mornings for six weeks in Columbus and Wednesday mornings for six weeks in Cincinnati. Okay, and if a company sends their CEO, the CEO comes and he's bringing a chief marketing officer, what would they be getting by attending your program? Well, the first thing we try to do is we try to get the company to develop a story, figure out what their key messages are, what the value proposition is, and come up with their company story. From that, we can actually look at all your marketing materials to be sure they're telling the same story, all your marketing and sales materials. So does your website match your brochures, match your email campaign, and all of your branding? Does it tell the same message? Okay. Does it really have to match? 
It really does, because what it does is it creates a consistency in the eyes of the end customer or the end user of your products and services. If you're you talking about user or prospect here. Well, it depends what your industry is. If you're B2C, it's going to be your customers, mm -hmm. and it's going to be what your customer sees with your company. Right. If you have different messages, you're actually causing customer confusion. If you're B2B, it's going to be you and the other businesses, and you're going to be trying to capture market share. And so are you consistent as to what your message is and how you define yourself in the marketplace? Mm -hmm. And why should someone attend? So what we'll do is we're going to, over the course of six weeks, we're going to help you um, define your, your key messages and your company's story. And then from that, we're going to help you develop a marketing strategy and a sales strategy and perhaps a social media strategy that helps coordinate all of that. So people will be consistent at the end. Correct. We're going to actually look at everything from your logo and your corporate identity. Does it match that key messages? Your website, are the messages on your website consistent? Your brochure, your sales presentations, your PowerPoint presentations, your proposal system, your email campaign, your trade show. And naturally, your selling system. And, of course, your selling system as well. Tom, if someone is interested in finding out more, either speaking to you or speaking to you personally, how should they do that? There's two ways. One, you could go to marketleaders.us. Um, that's the website for Engage 2013. You can learn all about the sessions there and the speakers and the time frame and, and uh, registration. Or you can call me directly if you have any questions that aren't answered there, and you can reach me at 614-622-1047. Thanks, Tom. In future weeks, we'll be hearing more from Tom about the Engage Marketing and Sales 2013. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Bill Case, American Mortgage. Bill, if someone wants to get a hold of uh, your company to talk about mortgages, what number should they call here in the Cincinnati or Dayton markets? I would say that a good start would be 513-421-9600. Uh, that is our main office. And then depending on where they are, we do have multiple offices uh in the Cincinnati and northern Kentucky area, so depending on where they want to be or where they're comfortable, and Dayton also, we would direct them uh, to that office. Okay. And if they wanted to look at your website? It's AmericanMortgage.com, all spelled out, two Gs in that mortgage. That's an interesting story because we actually bought AmericanMortgage.com a number of years ago from a guy out in, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to forget now, but he might have been in Iowa that controlled it. And uh, we picked it up. We thought it would be handy to have. Obviously, us as American Mortgage, and there's a lot of American mortgages or people that have a name like that. But uh, we were lucky to get it uh, three, four years ago. Oh, I thought you were going to say it only had one G in it when you bought it. Yeah, it was spelled correctly, thankfully. Yeah, a lot of uh, cyber squatting. Mm. Um. Yeah, because we went to an interest, I, I guess, too, before we had for a while – we were sold that uh, I think we had an American mortgage and it was a, a, a or a, maybe MTG. It was a dot TV because at the time um, I think they were saying, well, most of the dot coms are going to be taken and you know TV is going to be the next one. I don't know that if I've ever seen a TV outside of what we had. That was probably in the early 2000s, but uh, we picked that up and we're using that for our uh, address for a while, and then finally we're able to secure this other one and get back to a dot-com. Yeah, I tried to buy uh, RothConsulting.com only to discover some guy named Roth in Stuttgart, Germany bought it. He's in the software business. 
but at least it is somebody that's using it. I mean, a lot of times you right. can you go down that road and find out somebody's just controlling it because they bought it up and they'll sell it to you at a fine price according to them. But, uh, right. yeah, well, at least it is somebody using it, hopefully. Yeah, he used to send me my emails when I went to the laundry. Dude. That stopped, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, we have a theory in business that complex problems can't be solved with simple solutions. So perhaps you could share a complex problem that you solved over there in American Mortgage uh, with a complex solution that in theory of operation of that solution would transfer to another business. I would probably offer this, and it's... And it's uh, I, I don't know that it's something that's ever totally solved, but it's always something that you're working on. And and we generally, like this time of year, is uh, usually a little slower. We put a little more resources into this. But I've done this at this company and and previously at other companies. And a lot of it is looking at productivity, um, looking at what individual jobs are, and how do I become more proficient and efficient. Uh, that's always been a focus for me uh, professionally and personally is, you know, saving time, energy. And it's not always uh, to me. And I, as I explain to employees, this isn't about uh, creating 10 more minutes a day so you can work harder for 10 minutes. Sometimes it's maybe that extra 10 minutes you get to clear your head for the day, but you're not just spinning your wheels constantly uh, in your work or personal life. I think w- what we've done is have people really focus on how long it takes them to do both difficult and simple tasks. Um, When you start putting numbers on things, because a complex problem is like, well, it's taking us too long to do this. Well, why is that? Uh, We need to look at, uh, break down to the, well, how long is it? Well, I was on the phone today. Having people keep track. I usually... Uh, yellow pad's probably becoming outdated. I probably should use some electronic device, but I usually say keep a yellow pad by your desk and just, uh, you know, I was 15 minutes on the phone with somebody today. This uh, particular thing, I reviewed this, it took 20 minutes. Sometimes it's really helpful to look back at what did I do? You know, when you feel like, geez, I didn't feel like I accomplished much today. Well, then you look back and say, well, maybe there was, uh, uh, you know, this took this. Some of it you may not be able to solve, but we find that generally you can, when you start looking closer at things, you can make improvements um, because you do see, okay, well, maybe I took five minutes. Maybe that only needed a minute or two. Um, and then also being able to compare that with standards of other people. And I think that's probably something in every job uh, uh, that you, you know, how do I make people more productive? What kind of downtime? And, and again, it's not the, uh, well, somebody took a break for 10 minutes. That's not really the focus. It's when you are doing your work, are there things that you'd say you could probably be a little better at or be more cognizant uh, that uh, you would be more productive? In those other 50 minutes, yeah. Right. That's we, right. It adds up. We uh, have a saying here at Sandler. It's kind of one of the rules that you really need to keep a sales journal. We call it an attitude behavior journal. Keep track of your activities so you know how many dials or walk-ins. or. Uh, it's amazing when I Ask salespeople how long their average telephone call is. Most of them can't. They don't know. They they don't know. I say, what percentage of the time when you dial the phone do you actually get the contact that you were expecting to speak to on the phone? And I get this dumb look. It's you know there was a person many many years ago uh, that worked uh, for I was in the Columbus Ohio office of a previous company and. 
she was very good as a loan officer in a lot of ways, but she would talk about how much, how many hours that uh, uh, a day she would spend and how many days a week and, and, and just, oh, it's just so difficult. I was on, you know, I was working last night till 10 or 11 o'clock and, and the productivity was not, she was good, but it wasn't commensurate with that kind of uh, time. And, and, I remember once she came in, I had talked to her about, you know, like trying to keep track of what you do and cut time down. And um, she related uh, or relayed an interesting story. One morning she came in. She said, you know, my husband's saying things like you are. And she said, last night he came in. I was on the phone with someone. And she said, I was just talking. And then he just put his hand up and said, uh, hang on a second. And she said, I held the phone aside. He said, uh, who is that? And she said, well, it's a customer I'm dealing with. He said, did you call them? And he said, she said, yes, I called because I needed some information. He said, did you get the information? She said, yes. Then he said, then get off. Um, and she said, you know, it really never struck me. She said, you'd be telling me these things. And I would realize, you know, I would just go on and on about things and, and then realize after, well, maybe I spent an hour. Maybe I only needed to spend 10 minutes. We have a, a number of clients in different industries. And uh, one of the clients makes it a habit of recording 100% of the outbound uh, telesales calls. And every week on Friday morning, we review uh, about 15 calls to point out the calls that went right, to get people a pat on the back, or to give them a kick. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really interesting because some of the most successful calls are around a minute and 40 seconds. And some of the most awful ones have run up to about seven minutes. It's a balance, and it is a it's a balance because there's times you don't want to feel, especially you know you're talking to customers directly that you are giving them the time that they need uh, and and answering their questions and concerns and everything else. But then you know I, I find in a lot of cases I've always said you know answer the question and then move on. Don't you know. Um, you know, somebody says, what's your interest rate? I don't have to give them the history of lending. Uh, I can say this is what it is and move on and let them ask the questions. And, I mean, I when I trained, it's been a few years, but when I trained uh, loan officers way back that were brand new to the industry, and I we spent a week kind of talking about the, well, maybe not a week, three days about really just the history of lending kind of in, the, in this country. But one of the things I wrote on the whiteboard day one was sales equals control. If you lose this one, control, you will lose the first one in sales. And mm -hmm. I said, and think about that with every single activity you do. If you give up control to your customer, to your business sources, and it doesn't mean controlling in a negative way. It just means you're steering. If you allow it to be steered, then your life will be steered by somebody else. And, that, and that's what we teach. Simple concept. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't stumble on anything because of my own. It's just, you know, you, you realize how true that stuff is. When you, when you sit down and listen to... Uh and we don't listen to the seven-minute calls often. But usually in the seven-minute call, the reason it goes to seven minutes is a classic off-script error in minute one. And the salesperson is just spilling all their candy in the lobby for the next six minutes. And it ain't going to go in the right direction 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh Again, Phil did, uh, Bill did agree to answer questions. Uh, the number is 646-595-4916. Um, one more 
Now we have more time for one more question before we go to commercial. Uh, maybe the answer will be a little longer, but take your time with the answer. How do you think someone looking for a mortgage should, should select a mortgage company? I think it's important um, taking information from others. Um, clearly, do you you know if if they're engaged, depending on where they're at in the process. If it's somebody that has no idea, um, you know, do you you can gather information uh, on the internet. You may be able to look up on companies. Uh, you may just type in mortgage and see what comes up. Even if you're not working with uh, a real estate agent or a builder, uh, and I'm going to stick more with purchases for the time being, uh, refinances is probably much easier because there's a lot more advertising and information at you. But um, for purchases, inquire. Ask those people uh, that are in the industry, uh, who do you know, who do you like? Uh, Sometimes it's just a few phone calls. And if you start hearing the same company or the same name here or there, uh, and then what are they like? But generally... Um, it's if you if you're working with a real estate agent or builder, they typically will have referral people that they will give you to. If you're on your own, going to the internet, selecting, um, uh, you know, Cincinnati Inquirer publishes a uh, top uh, 25 uh, listing. Uh, you can certainly there's places that uh, when it's you know it's not people like me paying for advertising to gather people. It's a more independent where maybe you can find their sources of information that way. Um, once you once you think you've got some people's calling them and and probably just you know what types of programs what's your process everything else I think a lot of it is simple comfort. Um, it's still a complex business as much as people try to make it simpler. Sometimes well here's a piece of paper. It's very complex and it still comes down to do you feel you can look somebody in the eye and you can trust them? Uh, are they experienced in the business? I mean. It's unfortunate, but uh, you know somebody that is newer, they are. Uh, it's a little more of an uphill climb. But someone that's been doing this for a while and can say, well, how, I mean, I like to uh, ask people in, in other businesses when I'm working with someone is like, um, how long have you been doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you, you know, what are uh, if it's well, I sell cars. Oh, how's your year going? How many have you sold? You get a sense of is this somebody that's been doing a lot of this? If they if they're doing a lot of it, then obviously they have to have some degree of success. Once you, if you, you know, you can check out a company. Once you have somebody, you talk to them, you check their company out. Uh, certainly Better Business Bureau uh, uh, has some information on companies and, and you know, uh, ask around. And But that person, I think trust is a big thing. I think uh, you, you'll get a sense if they know what they're talking about early on. And uh, um, I would say that's number one because then you get into very unique customer circumstances beyond that. You know, well, I, I don't have a lot of money down. I do have a lot of money down. I'm looking in this particular area. Uh where you're looking for a house, you can usually find people. Um, I think that uh, Johnny Carson's old television show tells the story. The one before the Tonight Show was called, Who Do You Trust? Who Do You Trust? I saw a clip of that recently. They were talking about Johnny Carson's life. That was mm-hmm. the first, I, don't, I don't remember the show. I don't even remember reading about it much, but I remember seeing that. Yeah, it's... It, and and that's it's incumbent upon us and anybody that's in our business or or any business. How do I get people to trust me? Because I think that is number one. People are if they've got somebody, they're not going to spend hours on the phone calling a hundred places. You find somebody you feel comfortable that you know what they've answered my questions, they've made me comfortable, they've explained the process. Um, I think we're pretty good. Uh, I think I can. Uh, uh, this is somebody I can work with. 
Good. Again, the call-in number is 646-595-4916. Let's listen to San LaRule number 22. Hi, I'm Rich Gorman with San LaRule number 22. Only give a presentation for the kill. A skilled hunter knows how to track his prey cautiously and patiently and waits for the exact moment to fire his shot. He waits to make sure that his prized target is lined squarely in the crosshairs of his scope before pulling the trigger. As salespeople, our process should be very similar. We have a responsibility to make sure we know exactly what that prospect's needs and wants are and how our product or service can fulfill them. We also need to know exactly how much the prospect is willing to commit in terms of time, resources, and money to solving their problem. And we need to know the decision-making process that the prospect is going to go through in order to evaluate our product. And probably most importantly, we need to let the prospect know that we expect a decision at the end of our presentation. Only once we have a fully qualified prospect do we fire our kill shot and deliver the presentation. I'm Rich Gorman with Sandler Rule Number 22. Only give a presentation for the kill. Kill. Hi, I'm Mike Roth, founder and president of Sandler Training by Roth and Associates. You've been listening to me talk about sales growth and development for years. Now listen to what my clients have to say. Hi, this is meteorologist Rich Apuzo, Chief Operating Officer at Sky Eye Weather. We are consultants for multi-million dollar businesses that are directly impacted by the weather. I've been a client of Sandler Training by Mike Roth for just over six months, yet even in these tough economic times, our business continues to grow. Mike has done an amazing job with me, and I want to thank the folks at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates for all their help. And hey, when you're talking to Mike about sales, if you need a meteorologist, ask for my number. To find out more about Sandler Training and how it might grow your business, contact us at 513-646-6523. Visit us at www.rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Bill Case. Bill? We always ask leaders, and you've been a leader for, in business for how many years now? I guess in a in somewhat of a leadership role, we'd be going back to 1988, 89, so 20-some years. 20-plus 20, 20 years of 20-plus years, that's good. Yeah, we don't have to put real numbers on. 20-plus sounds good. Yeah. Can you give other leaders who may be listening, or potential leaders, a leadership tip? I probably, You know what? It's funny. I saw this as before we talked, and... and um, I've probably used a similar one always through the years, and I would say I've never almost deviated from what when somebody just hits you. What's you know what do you think is important? Creating an atmosphere where people are encouraged and allowed to succeed. They're not fearful. You're treating them with respect. I've always thought it's it's a simple thing, and yet. I don't think a day or two goes by that I don't hear about uh, a place where, you know, the old, the boss is this or that, or they're pushing me on this, or somebody's trying to take credit for this or that. 
I just I never understand this. I think it's easy to treat people well. I, I don't you know the difficult atmospheres I don't think are are, are uh, helpful. I think people and I've seen it over the years. You see it sometimes in bigger companies. It's a little more prevalent, but uh, you know the fear factor where people are afraid to make mistakes. I mean we you know um, I, I usually have uh, whenever I've asked or empowered an employee over the years. I usually say, well, here's the two questions I will ask you before you're going to try to do something. And uh, will anybody die? And will we lose tons of money? If the answer to both of those is no, then it's willing to take their – you have to be willing to allow people to make mistakes. You have to keep them in an area where, okay, they're not going to take you down or cause uh, – but but you they have to be able to do that. If you want to get good employees, you have to create an atmosphere where they're not fearful of making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, a, that's a good explanation for uh, why Jack Welch, when he blew up the plastics plant, didn't get fired. And yeah. He rose to – Chairman of the board of General Electric. Yep. First time I heard about that incident, I said, I can't believe he didn't get fired. Well, he uh, did all right for himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this year on the Internet, uh, are you going to be uh, you develop your website inside or are you outside? We develop, well, it's probably a combination. Starting, uh, uh, we've been doing some level of Internet lending, as we call it, um, over the last seven years. Um, That's a long time. Yeah, it, it's it's never been a significant piece of our business, but we started it about seven years ago. We've now the last couple of years, uh, and, and again, I would say we probably got sidetracked a little bit. We started seven years ago in 2005, uh, maybe it's been going on eight years now. Um, business was slower. We probably got diverted a little bit off it with resources because business has been so strong really from 09 on. Um, but our but our longer term plan is we put a lot into our website. Uh, we have people that contribute to it that keep content updated constantly. We put mortgage information on there for consumers, very consumer direct uh, and a a consumer oriented website. So what we're hoping uh, and and planning on is that in coming uh, months and years that this is a place that when people do go to search for, okay, I'm looking at mortgage information, I'm looking for companies that we're going to come up and and we're not really that interested in okay, I'm not I don't really care about coming up in fifty states. I, I really want to use this as to support uh, the areas that I'm in now. You know, how do we get people in the Cincinnati area and the Louisville area and the Nashville, Tennessee area? I want them finding and saying, hey, this is a helpful site uh, because it has a lot of mortgage information. So we've kind of honed our skills being and doing internet lending, uh, and now we want to take it to another level where can we get, uh, could it be 10, 15, 20% of our business uh, somewhere in the next few years? We think those are reasonable goals. Mm-hmm. We have some clients that are frankly, have uh, totally eliminated their sales teams uh, after a few years in the business because they can get in as much business as they can handle on the web. Um, So you're developing your mortgage loan web site internally? Yes, mostly internally. We have had some contributing companies uh, that have helped us along the way and continue to. Um, but our own people have probably done, uh, well, I'd say keeping it up and and adding different content we've contracted out, but we've probably had a good amount of help in the development of the website itself. Um, And we're right now, we're pretty comfortable with where our website's at. We're really next, the next stage now for us is moving to getting people 
driving them to that website, um, moving ourselves up on the search engines. Uh, we haven't devoted dollars to advertising to, to draw people in. That will also be part of the strategy of what we do. Now let's kick it up and say, how do we uh, herd traffic into this that will turn into Okay, so you haven't done much in search engine optimization. No, we've actually gotten a decent amount of leads now that we're turning into closings, which is good because it's a, it's a nice test tube. We're finding out now that we're getting some by random chance and we're turning those at a percentage that, well, that's okay now. We're not even really ramping it up much. But we will be. We started near the end of uh, 2012 uh, to put some more resources in that and we'll continue now. And then thankfully now the business has been good enough that it also creates more resources to be able to spend. And and, uh, and the good thing is we've got enough other business. We're not dependent on that solely, um, but we, we would like to see that grow and come here. We'd like to be able to support our salespeople with it. That's really uh, gaining business and then being able to say, you know, it certainly – could I hire more quality people down the road uh, mm-hmm. if I say I'm able to help you with your business? And also that problem we were talking about earlier with getting new people in the business, very difficult unless you do have ways that you'd say, here, I can help you. I can give you some leads early on. Otherwise, uh, you know, they're out on the street on their own trying to get business. It would, be a lot more, it would be a lot easier for us to attract and retain people if we create more of our own uh, leads. Right, right. And uh, are you using pay-per-click now? Pay per click. Oh, pay per. Uh, no. Google AdWords. We we are actually see, and I'm going to be. I would have to defer to a couple of our IT people and one of the guys that's running the project. But um, that's what we're looking at next. Is where will we be? Where what do we think will fit? That here's the dollars we want to spend. Where do we think we would be best to? And I know a couple of those that they're talking about, but I'm not sure yet which direction we're going. Yeah, if you if you're going for creation of leads from the web, pay per click can be wonderful. Um, in fact, uh, this year Sandler Corporate, we used to have a uh, three PGA golfers that we sponsored. Mm. Got some good airtime with those Sandler logos on golf shorts and hats. But we've completely left the PGA and we're concentrating our bucks mm-hmm. on things like pay per click, which actually generates leads, mm. which is uh, important. You know, when someone types in more into Google search engine, mortgage Cincinnati. Right. You want. Yeah, you want to be in the top shaded area, right? The top well, three or whatever. Oh, okay. Ad. Well, because that we're looking at. So then you're, okay, so this is down below there, that, there, though. The top sets. one down below. Yeah, yeah. The top one down below is the generic search. The, the top two are ads. Right. And then they have a column of ads. Down the side. Based on content. Uh, it's most important that somehow you hit the top page. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of theory that says... When I hit the page and I'm on the page, you have to have a chat, a chat box with a live human being that can respond to the questions right. within five to fifteen seconds. Well, and that's that's the uh, although uh, that's why too we would rather stay in markets we're in because that type of thing and we have talked about that we could handle that a little more on a local level because you have enough people to cover. There's a national company our size would be challenged to, to handle questions from all over the nation if they were coming in. Well, different rules all over the nation. Right. 
Good. Um, Phil, I want to thank you for uh, coming in today. Sure, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And as spoken for coming in, you asked me about Sam Rules during one of the commercials. This is a book of the top 49 Sam Rules from a psychological perspective. So I'm going to give you a copy of the book. And inside the book is an extra million dollars. Who couldn't use that? Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, there's a free training pass for uh, one of our classes, and our class calendar is on there. Well, thank you. Uh, next Wednesday morning is a Sandler Strategic Sales Management class. If you'd like to come out or send one of you guys. No, I want to take a look at this because actually just, it's interesting as I even look around uh, the space here. Uh, um, we haven't spent as much time um, in in some development areas with our people and managers uh, as we would like. I'm not sure how many people ever say they spend enough, but uh, that's an area that I think, uh, you know, we can do better on. And, and, you know, we have people scattered all over, but we think there's enough ways to get them, uh, you know, the, the highlights. I always say, too, there's things that, you know, you may not learn there isn't some secret or magic or anything else, but it is, you know, it's it's emphasizing, again, some of the same principles and, and people that hear are proven strategies and hearing them and then taking them and working them. And, and the way most people learn is long-term positive reinforcement. That's what we do here at Sandler. Um, one of the things that we've done for, we've done two really major things uh, this year. We're kicking off our Sandler certification so clients can be certified for having and being able to apply it. Uh, but also, uh, before any training begins in a company, we now have a benchmark tool to analyze the gap between where people really are and where management thinks they should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a great new tool. Uh, again, thanks for being with us, Bill. Thank you. And, Appreciate uh, it. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.